This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week you'll hear from a first-year swimmer who broke not one, not two, but three individual Bates program records at the NESCAC Championships. Plus, we talk with a sophomore sensation on the ski slopes and with head tennis coach and Bates alumnus Paul Gassingay, whose teams head to Florida next week to kick off the spring season. And of course, the NESCAC tournaments began this weekend for the basketball teams. We've got it all covered on the Bates Bobcast. The women's basketball team played four games in five days last week, starting with back-to-back wins over rivals Colby and Bowden on Tuesday and Wednesday. The Bobcats won on the road Friday at Williams for their sixth NESCAC victory of the season, the program's most in 15 years. But they did fall at Middlebury on Saturday, making Bates the fifth seed in the upcoming NESCAC tournament. The Bobcats get a bye to the quarterfinals, but have to travel back to Middlebury this Saturday for a 2 p.m. tip. Junior Bree Gattoletta had a big week for Bates, averaging nearly 15 points per game, including 20 against the Panthers. Well, Bree, first of all, I'm curious, four games in five days. Uh, that's kind of rare. What was that experience like from your perspective? It was definitely a one-of-a-kind experience. I know, well, we were all as a team kind of preparing for that mentally. We kept on saying, you know, it's going to be tough physically and it's going to be tough mentally, but we kind of were just excited for it at the same time. So it just brought out a new level of competition in all of us, I would say. And then the trip out to Williams and Middlebury, fairly long drive away from campus and whatnot. What was it like to make that road trip and got the win there against Williams to start, right? Yeah, um, I've never been to either of those campuses, so that was mm. kind of cool to see. And I think we were kind of just thinking of those two games as like the home stretch just to close out the season to end up with games that we were proud of and to go into playoffs really confident. 20 points and 11 rebounds for you against Middlebury there. What was particularly working in that game from your perspective for you? Well, hey, I mean, Middlebury didn't want to stop me inside, so I just (laughs) kept on going at it and just being strong and aggressive with the ball. Um, I definitely had a height advantage over a lot of the players on the team and I would say strength advantage too. Um, So I think that's something that we're going to continue to push looking into next weekend's game. I was going to say, because now you you have to play them again, back-to-back times playing Middlebury, but this time you'll be a little bit more Mm -hmm. well-rested. That's probably a good thing. And then what are some other adjustments the team is talking about, you know, to beat them this time around? Oh, I mean, we're just so excited. I've talked to so many of my teammates just saying, you know, it's unfortunate that we couldn't host the game ourselves, but we are just looking forward to getting back at them, basically just revenge for how the last game ended. But we also talked about how, you know, this conference is too good for us to have a quarter where we don't score a lot and, No matter what team you're playing, you just can't have quarters like that because they will punish you for that. So we've definitely talked about um, just our offensive game and how aggressive we need to stay on both ends. Yeah, you bring up a good point because a couple of the road losses this year, it's been the first quarter that's kind of done you in in terms of like falling Mm -hmm. in that hole like Trinity and then Middlebury. Is it tougher to start fast when you're on the road like that? I definitely think that alumni has, you know, we we call it alumni magic, um, but... I'd say that we took really good shots. They just weren't connecting on a couple. So 
we just want to keep pushing it and not lose our confidence in those um, scoring droughts. So I would say we're definitely all all we've been thinking about is like it's the mentality. It's the mentality. Like you got to go in there with competitive urgency. So what? You bank out a shot. Just get back at it on the defensive end, so we could turn that defense into offense. And I know, like in past years, at least at Bates in recent years, you know, making the NISCAC tournament was an accomplishment, a good thing. Now for this team, I feel like you're thinking you're coming into this thinking we're gonna we're gonna win this thing, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from the very start of the season, we always come up with goals, um, and how and qualities that we want to have as a team, and the championship has always been our top goal we've been saying it all the time every practice got to play with that championship mentality and maturity and nothing has changed at all since that did you get any days off now uh, after these four days or right back to practice perhaps <laughs> um no we actually we got two days off good, good um yeah it was much needed we all needed a you know just rest our legs, our minds, and just kind of refocus after the weekend and really gear in. But we've got a full week of practices, which is exciting, and lots to talk about and lots to work on. And for you, I mean, the offensive rebounding continues to really just kind of, you know, shine through in the stats and whatnot. I mean, what's allowed you to get all these offensive rebounds? I think you're like third in the conference right now. I mean, I would say that offensive rebounding is, it's looking where the ball's going to roll, but most of the time it's just effort and how you could push yourself on the court. And so for myself, Taylor, Ari, we all kind of pride ourselves on, hey, if we can't, like, if someone else is taking the shot on offense, like, we're headhunting for that ball so we can either put it back up or give the give another opportunity for a shot. So that's been – and we've seen how successful that's made us. So we really – it's such a little thing in basketball, but we've taken a lot of pride in making that something that we're really good at and that we can punish teams with. You mentioned Ari. She had a career-high 22 there at mm-hmm. Williams. Uh, what started out about her in that game? Oh, I mean, she was just she was awesome in that game. She was really tough, got a lot of and-ones in that game that really we needed it offensively, but also pumped us all up um, on the bench. And she she was just playing really well. And you could tell, like, playing alongside her, her mentality was, like, really focused. And it's honestly something I'll miss about her. But mm. it, it's really fun to play with her when she's in that mode. Yeah, part of this is, like, yeah, you're playing for these seniors, right? And this mm-hmm. is their last go. Yeah, I mean, I can't even tell you, like, how much these seniors mean to our program. They've been in it since the very beginning. And... A part of me is like, yeah, I'm playing for myself and I want a championship for this program. But a bigger part of me is like these seniors have just been so successful for our program. So I want to work as hard as I can for them and make their last year the best year. Excellent. Well, last question for you. Fill in the blank here. Bates beats Middlebury this weekend if? Ooh, I just think our relentlessness in the boards and uh, defensive pressure will give us everything we need. I think it'll turn everything offensively on as well, and it'll just give us the energy we need because we feed off of that defensive energy. Excellent. Well, Bree, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. The women's swimming and diving team plays fourth at the NASCAC Championships for the third straight season. It was a remarkable weekend for Bates as program records fell left and right with a pair of Bobcats winning individual NASCAC titles. 
Head coach Peter Casares recaps all the excitement. Well, coach, first of all, I mean, I'm looking at these times at the NESCAC championships. Have you ever been at a faster meet in your life? Not at this level. I mean, it was comparable to a national meet experience. Uh, the improvement um, and the in the top eight to top 16 was um, unbelievable to see what happened. Two years difference. Every team seemed to be a little bit deeper and have some athletes that were doing things. Um, that we haven't seen before. A lot of NESCAC relay records weren't just beaten, but they were smashed. Um, and it just goes to show you kind of how competitive the conference is um, and what has happened over the last two years while people have been waiting to get back at it. Yeah, and speaking of that, I mean, some of the stars for Bates are underclassmen. You look at uh, sophomore Grace Wenger. You look at first-year Sophie Castley. How about Castley rewriting the backstroke record books. I mean, she holds all the records now, and she, it's her first year of collegiate swimming. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean... Sophie came in here um, with some very good talent, and we knew that um, she was going to add some depth to our backstroke. Um, Gabby Smart is a fantastic backstroker. We've had great backstrokers in the past with Sarah DeHare. Um, and we thought, okay, here's someone that will continue that tradition, help us get to nationals, be a good national um, relay member. Um, and we noticed right away she was doing things in practice that were um, kind of eye-opening. Um, but what Sophie did tremendously was all the little things, like every day in practice, hitting um, the times that we were looking for, doing the dolphin kicks off the wall, putting the effort in on every repeat. Um, and, and the thing that made her special was is she would kind of laugh and giggle her way through a practice. She's just one of the happiest people you've ever met. Um, and she just was super confident this year behind the block. She looked at me and said, I just knew I could do these races um, and was really thankful for her teammates and, and coaches to kind of give her that kind of confidence that you need when you're behind the blocks. Um, and it paid off, and she swam her races um, and just waited to see what the times were and was super excited about it. I was going to say, because she originally set the 50-back record at the main state meet, which you never see programs records set in December, do you? It's rare because, yeah. especially in her events with – you know, Sarah DeHare being there and Whitney Payne before that and some of our great backstrokers that we've had in the program. I mean, they were all national level athletes and they were, you know, DeHare was the most decorated athlete in school history. So those are fast records. And when she started breaking those um, mid-season with just a little bit of rest, um, it was it was exciting. And then we had an inter-squad meet when the WPI meet was canceled and she went even faster than those times. And we weren't even at NESCACs yet. So you know, Vanessa kept telling me she was going to be so fast, she's going to be so fast, and I kept just trying to calm the expectations and be like, well, you know, she's already been fast, she's just going to maintain it, this and that. And she went in there and she dropped a little bit in the morning and then just kind of exploded on the scene, um, you know, Saturday night with her 55-2, taking like seven tenths off her morning swim. And then the 200 back was just um, a thing of beauty. I, mean, I had coaches from around the country texting me saying they haven't seen a race that beautiful in the last 50 that good. So um, it drew attention from, from other coaches watching the live stream. Um, and it obviously drew attention from all the coaches on the pool deck at NESCACs because she won Rookie of the Year. Mm -hmm. And they walked around us um, to all the coaches and said, you know, all sophomores and freshmen are first years are considered right. Rookie of the Year this year since they didn't compete last year. So out of two classes of phenomenal athletes, I mean, with Tufts there and Williams there, two teams that are going to be top three in the country probably or top five in the country for sure. I mean, she was the um, rookie of the year. That says so much about what she did. And, and as I said to her and the team last night, it was about improvement and hard work, not just a talented athlete that showed up.
great. And then another NESCAC champion was Abigail Gibbons in the 50 breast. I mean, she, I think she kind of upset the woman from Williams, right? Wasn't the woman from Williams kind of the favorite? Without a doubt, listen yeah. to the announcers on the on the call for They just talked, they spent the 28 seconds talking about the other person right. until she touched first. And they're like, and Gibbons for the win. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know I, I caught one of our seniors leaders, Susie Reichman, talking about Gibbons to her teammate, just saying that she is an MVP and just... Um, one of the strongest and most confident athletes she's ever been around. I mean, we just set the school record in the 200 free relay, had the swim of our lives as a program to kick off the Friday night of the meet and then found out we left .02 early and it was DQ'd. And Gibbons led off that relay um, with a cut, with a swim that was so fast and um, we celebrated and then all of a sudden got it taken away. And then within 10 minutes, she was standing on the blocks trying to swim that 50 breast. Um, and so the emotional kind of roller coaster that just went through that, the questions, the unanswered, you know, moments of just like, what is going on? How did this happen? And then to collect yourself, stand on the blocks and go 28-8, set the um, pool record, set the school record here at Bates um, and be our first NESCAC champion in a long time um, was just phenomenal. And she pulled it all together and did that. And uh, the women were just going bonkers over her. So. You know, Gibbons did it in all of her events, huge drops, huge improvements this year. I challenged her early and said, you know, you really need to get yourself in the best shape possible because you're getting beat on the last half of your races early on. And she took that as um, not an insult. It was like a, it was like a challenge, not a threat. And, and it was just great to see her put in the work this year and then finish off her races. I mean, she exploded on the second 25 of the 50. On the last 50 yards of her 100, it was never been faster. And she took down Christy Prolgovisk's record, mm -hmm. um, one of our most talented ever in the program. Um, and then she went on to drop, you know, uh, eight or not, eight, like, like eight seconds in her 200 breaststroke and go 222. And I don't know if people know this at home, but she tied for eighth place in that event. Mm. So 20 minutes after swimming it, she had to swim a swim off between her and the other person. Oh. And her and the woman from Williams stepped up on the blocks 20 minutes after they had just done a 200 breaststroke, which is one of the three most grueling events out there. It's so hard. And here's a sprinter that won the 50, and she's being asked to do another race 20 minutes afterwards against Williams, who needed that girl in the top eight, needed that woman in the top eight to be competitive with Tufts. So everything was riding on that swim for them. So both of these women wanted it really bad and they stood up um, and Abby jumped in and got out to a lead. And then with a hundred at the 150 yard mark, it was within one tenth of a second with a 50 to go. And she just pushed through and dropped five more tenths and won that swim off to get eighth place um, and to be in that top heat at night, which scores the most points. Um, and so it was just like moment after moment of her being so um, strong, reliable, and there for um, the team and just at her best when it mattered the most. Uh, it was really inspirational. And I, and I just think those moments, and you see Sophie do what she did, you see um, Gibbons do what she did. Everybody goes, wow, that's what we're about, and we can do that too. And so it didn't matter if you were in the C final or the A final or just in prelims, you felt that confidence kind of going through you and anything was possible. Um, and it wouldn't have happened without women like that kind of leading the way. You touched on the 200 free relay, which was unfortunately a, a tough way to start a, a day, right, in terms of the finals and whatnot. But, um, you know, the, leaving early, I feel like I'm surprised personally as an outsider that doesn't happen more often. I don't know. Like, I mean, take us inside that how to avoid doing that, I guess, on a relay. Yeah, I mean, 
the complete opposite is having very safe relay starts. And, mm. and that's what happened in our time trial on Sunday night when we tried to go back and, and do that again. I mean, all of them were a little timid and we have um, relay takeoff pads on the blocks. So they measure when your hand hits the touchpad in the water to when your feet leave the blocks. And um, Friday night, we were around 0.1 for each person as far as the exchange, um, except for our one that was negative 0.02. Um, on Sunday, they were all 0.3s. Mm. And so when you add two tenths to three relay extensions, you know, um, exchanges, that's, that's, almost, that's over half a second slower right there without even swimming a length. Um, and then, you know, it was Sunday, and they were not as... Um, not as fresh as they were Friday night to say, you know, when it comes down to a sprint event like that. And so everybody a 10th or so slower, and then you find yourself, you know, not in the cut and not doing the time you want, but it does happen a lot. Um, we see it across the country. Almost every conference meet will have one to two relay exchanges that are early. Um, we've been lucky in the last couple of years to avoid that. I'll tell you what, my first five or six years at Bates, it was like a rolling joke with us. We always deked a relay. Oh. And, and it's because I want it so bad. Mm. And I tell the athletes, like, relays are everything. Let's push the starts. Let's go for it. And for years, we weren't good enough to get to nationals unless we were perfect. And so we had to go for it, and we send it. And, you know, I looked at the women that night, and I said, hey, if we're not going for it, then we're not doing the right thing. And um, every, every stroke you took in that race was legitimate. And that time on the board and that swim that happened was, was, was damn close to legitimate. We're talking 0.02. Mm. So that will never be taken away from you. We just have to do it again. Um, and so be confident and know that that's who we are and what we can do. Um, and that we came here not being safe and hoping things would work out. We were out to make things happen. And sometimes you got to pay the consequences when you're taking those risks, but that's how you get to be the best. And when you're in a conference with the teams that we're in a conference with, you got to go for it. Um, and they did. And it was awesome to see that kind of confidence. It's too bad that it didn't work out. And then you look at the distance swimmers. Um, you know, for year, for last few years, um, it seems like Lucy Faust was a distance swimmer. <laughs> like, she was the one. Now you have a bunch who are putting up B-cut times. Yep. You know, um, our senior captain, Kaylee Swintak, has kind of been this you know, secret weapon for us where she continued to get, you know, eighth through 16th places for us and score us valuable points and podium sometimes and, and just be this constant, um, this constant force for us in the distance events behind Lucy. Mm -hmm. um, never the star, but always a great supporter. Um, and to have her as a captain this year really helped some of our young distance swimmers out. Um, Julia Johnson's a sophomore. This was her first meet. She relied on Kaylee and her knowledge and, and how the tapers work and how the expectations work and how things unfold. Um, and then Stephanie Tropper came in um, as kind of a middle distance swimmer who loved to sprint, but then made the mistake of telling me she really enjoyed her first mile ever over the summer and she could do more miles if I needed that. And I watched her train and went, holy cow, you are great. The thing with Steph was is the first week of the season, she got diagnosed with mono. And the mono turned out to have like um, pneumonia or some other, you know, you know, angle to it. So she was out a little bit longer than that. And then she joined us on the training trip and we built her back through our long course training trip. And she started to look good again. And then as we came back for our training camp for four days before her classes started, she got COVID. So she was out for 10 days there. Um, and so it was like bronchitis got thrown in there somewhere also, you know, so she's still like coughing up stuff every now and then. And I just look over at her and I'm like, is this, like, who, wh where's the, where's the truck driver on the pool deck? And it turns out to be Tropper who's like five, two and bouncing all over the place. 
Um, and so she's just a ball of energy and, and a great attitude and, and someone that, you know, as your write-up said, came on strong the last month of the season. And so she's just getting into shape and she's just trying to, starting to shine and to see her go um, 501 in the 500 from 511, her best time before that, and then to see her throw up a B-cut national level time in the mile off that little training, you know, 17 and a half minutes in the pool, like all out, and she was doing it. Um, you know, and we swam her in every event possible over the weekend because she's so good at so many. So it's great to see that kind of depth in the in the distance squad um, and to know that, you know, Kaylee played a part in that, it doesn't surprise me. And then were there any, like, surprise races that turned out maybe differently than you thought in a good way, perhaps? Um, yeah, I mean, we had some really um, nice time drops from people that were a little bit eye-opening. I mean, Grace Wenger has been good all season long, but to see her go 455, um, which I think is like fifth in the country right now, or top 10 in the country, and then to turn around. I mean, she was like seventh in the morning sessions, and then she got second at night and just got touched out by a couple hundredths. And then to turn around the next day and go from 151 in the 200 free to the magical 149. I mean, that 149, 200 free time was was something we thought might happen, but I just didn't think it was there this weekend. I thought we might need to get to nationals to see that. So that was awesome. Um, we saw some really great swims that night from athletes that figured things out during the meet. Virginia Guanci um, snuck into the 200 IM and the 200 breaststroke by the skin of her teeth um, and then ended up being going from like 24th to winning the heat or getting second place in the heat at night and dropping big time. Um, Morgan Porter had a phenomenal 200 um backstroke for us on the final day um which really was kind of eye-opening um, natalie young dropped five seconds in the 400 im and went a b cut um, after a morning swim that was nearly a disaster i didn't know if she was going to finish it because she went out so hard and was holding on for dear life um, she thought if i go for it i'm going to get there and then you know the breaststroke and back and freestyle legs showed up and it was like oh is she going to make it to the end um, and she snuck in and swam it smarter at night and had a huge drop so there's a lot of good stuff right there. Oh, Halle, um, oh, a freshman from Michigan. She was injured a lot first semester and then popped a great um, top 850 fly time and then was on our 400 um, in the 100 fly, went so fast that she got onto our 400 medley relay. It's going to go to nationals. So just some great swims there. Awesome. And then let's preview the men's championships because that's coming up this weekend also at Colby, right? Yeah. Uh, so back up to Waterville. Um, what what are you most looking forward to seeing from the men's team? I would say, no, for them, it's all about trying to get a relay to nationals, right? I mean, that's one of their big goals this year yeah. for sure. Um, staying ahead of Bowden and Colby is going to sure. be really important to them. Um, they're hoping to, to also give Amherst a scare mm-hmm. um, this year and make them have to work for that third-place finish. Um, if they're going to beat us, Amherst has got to be really on. Um, and that's an exciting place to be. Um, I suspect Amherst will be there at the end and they'll do what they do because they're so seasoned and they're so talented. Um, but I know our men have a, a great opportunity to kind of um, maybe put the pressure on them instead of it being the other way around. Uh, and that always can lead to, you know, who knows what at the end. You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm just coming off the women's right yeah. <laughs> now, and I haven't seen my men since Wednesday night. Yeah. So I, I'm most looking forward to being on a deck um, and seeing what's happened. Uh, Coach Wallace was here with the team over the last three, four days telling me how things are going and, and giving me great reports. Um, but I'll be excited to see what's going on. I know they must feel pretty um, 
pretty confident that things are going to go well after watching the women swim so great. Um, and, you know, we have a core group of guys that have national level ability. And if they can put put it together and, and stay confident and believe in themselves, like it could be pretty amazing. And we have a shot at a lot of relay records similar to the women's meet. Great. Well, any other thoughts you want to share about the women's meet we haven't got to talk about yet? No, I just couldn't be more proud. Um, one of the things that um, has defined us in years past, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is going a little bit, but one of the things that's defined us in years past has been our has been our spirit, has been our chemistry, has been our camaraderie on the pool deck. And for years, you know, we were trying to claw up from 10th to 7th and 7th to 5th, and, and now we're trying to sneak into that top three every year. Um, but it was never... Um, the swimming that you know stole the show it was damn those Bates women's swimmers love each other and they get after it and they have so much fun together and um, once again you know we got comments from other coaches that just told us you know like the Tufts coach and um, the Bowden coach and the Williams coach come up to us and say your women's team is so close and having such a great time it's amazing to watch and we got messages from people that could notice online that when the Bait swimmers were on the podium. It was the loudest in the mm. in the facility for the cheering that was going on, um, and so to see that we handled a year off of COVID, brought in two brand new classes that have never been to NESCAC and have no idea what that tradition was, um, and to know that they picked up what it meant to be a bobcat swimmer over the course of the dual meet season, um, and brought it to NESCACs, and then and then just did what we do and had a great time and kind of celebrated. Um, fast swimming and, and great friendships and, and um, just you know what the sport is all about and, and how you grow and develop as a human being and, and make moments that are valuable and make you better in life they kind of embrace that mentality and there's a lot of tears shed because of not how fast they swim but because of how much they really loved each other and that was the thing I'm probably most proud of is that we picked up where we left off with that tradition. First year, Sophie Cassidy was named the NASCAC Rookie of the Year for her performances over the weekend as she broke the Bates program records in the 50, the 100, and the 200-yard backstroke. Cassidy won the NASCAC title in the 200 back and finished runner-up in the 50 and the 100. And she is our female Bobcat of the Week. Yeah, so for the first time being at NASCACs, you know, it wasn't just my first time. It was the sophomore class and the freshman class. And about half the teams we hadn't seen before, we hadn't competed against them before. So it was a brand new experience for me. The atmosphere at the meet was amazing. Um, I didn't have any nerves, really. So everyone was so uplifting, even the other teams. The girls were coming up to us and congratulating us and wishing us good luck and stuff like that. We were doing the same thing. The whole meet experience was amazing. Terrific. And then, I mean, the 200 back, obviously, NESCAC champion. Take us through that race and how it went from your perspective. Oh, God. Honestly, I blacked out. <laughs> I remember before the official said, take your mark, I was just thinking to myself, oh, this is going to hurt a lot. <laughs> and then I, they said go, and I blacked out. I remember um, hitting the wall on the 150 mark, having a 50 left, and me and that girl from William, Sophia, um, were pretty t close together. I don't know if she was ahead of me or if I was ahead of her, but then we pushed off that wall and I realized, oh wow, I have some energy left. And I just went for it and she couldn't go with me. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like, I think I'm winning. You get the sense that you're winning, but you don't know really until you look up at the scoreboard, right? Right, right. <laughs> so on the final wall, I saw that I was getting a bit ahead of her and I was like, okay, we're going for it now. And 
Um, as soon as I finished, I was on my back facing my team, and I knew I won before even looking at the scoreboard because of their celebration. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, so what's it like, you know, getting out of the pool and then going over to celebrate your teammates immediately after? Oh, I didn't even have to walk over. They all ran over to me. Some of them were crying. I was crying. It was amazing. Tell us about the bobcat, the stuffed bobcat everyone oh. was holding on the podium. That's like a tradition, right? It should not be a tradition. <laughs> I, I'm going to get hate for this by my team. That stuffed animal is named Snarf. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, apparently it has been around our team for years. But I there's photos of the 50 back podium. I, didn't, I refused to take it up on the podium with me because I did not want that. Um, but then I got pretty much peer pressured into taking it up on the 100 and the relays and the 200. Why don't you like it? It's just ugly. <laughs> like, it smells. <laughs> it is an older stuffed animal. Yeah, it's gone swimming a couple of times. And then, yeah, speaking of the other backstroke events, I mean, you now have the program record in all three. In your first year, what's that like for you to have those records so early in your career? Honestly, it's beyond um, what I would expect out of myself. I remember coming into this program like, wow, like maybe those are some things I can set goals for myself my junior, senior year. And I really surprised myself. I think I surprised my coaches and my teammates. Going ahead, I think I just need to break them again. Yeah, keep breaking your own records, right? Right, yeah. right. I'll try. <laughs> well, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at, you, you have the program records. I mean, I'm sure there's NESCAC records out there and stuff like that you're looking at. Yeah, so the NESCAC records, I think, was a 1 minute 57 seconds low, like a .2 or something, and I went a 57 high. So I think that should be my next goal in the near future. Excellent. So how do you think the train's going to go between now and NCAAs? Because you're obviously, you know, you're going to NCAAs. <laughs> right. Um, my guess is... I have today off, and then we're back in the pool again tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Quick turnaround, I know. But we'll probably do some recovery swims and then get back into training and then some taper again before we leave. What are some of the most fun races at NESCAC for you to watch as a teammate? Um, the most funs are definitely the relays. Mm -hmm. Or I love watching Abigail Gibbons from her breaststroke events. Those are really exciting. Yeah, because she was the NESCAC champion in the 50-yard breast. What was it like watching that one? Oh, it was amazing. I think she went into the race second seed, and then she ended up beating the girl. She pushed off that final wall. Her underwater was amazing, and we knew. Our whole team was going crazy. The parents in the stands, everyone just blew up. Great, great. And then, um, you know, what were some other memorable moments from the weekend? I got to see my twin sister, Maggie, which is really fun. She goes to college in Massachusetts, and just, like, knowing she was in the stands was really supportive and helpful. Your first year of college swimming, anything that surprised you, um, you know, about the experience so far? I thought it'd be super intimidated walking as a freshman because, I mean, I'm only 19, and Tufts had some fifth-year seniors <laughs> who were super older than me. But um, I don't know. I think just, like, walking into the locker, for the locker room for the first time and all, like, the Colby girls and Bowden girls, like CBB, we were all really close. And I don't know, just having an open mind and congratulating all the teams, wishing them good luck. It was the atmosphere really surprised me and how easy it was to get along with other teams. Oh, great. All right. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Congrats again on, you know, being basically the best backstroke we've ever had here. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you so much. The Alpine and Nordic skiing teams compete at the Dartmouth Carnival over the weekend. And once again, Bates' sophomore Alpine skier Bo Underhill stood out from the crowd, tying for 11th in the slalom on Friday 
and taking 13th on Saturday. The Bates men's team as a whole did really well Saturday, placing 6th out of 14 schools in the slalom. And Bo Underhill is our male Bobcat of the Week. Well, Bo, an interesting weekend. Back-to-back <laughs> slalom days. So what was that like? Because that's not normally what you experience. No, normally it's a GS and then slalom. But uh, unfortunately, because of the cancellations at Stowe, we had to do a makeup. So Friday was technically the UVM Carnival right. makeup. And then uh, Saturday was our um, Dartmouth Carnival slalom. How did you approach the weekend? I mean, similar? I mean, because, like, knowing you're doing the same event the next day on the same course is kind of interesting, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, it was the same hill, different course. So it's, okay. okay. Yeah, so they, like, uh, the different coaches had different sets. Mm. So everything was a little different, but uh, that hill is not the hardest hill, so it's definitely something you have to get used to. So it's it honestly kind of nice to be able to race down twice. Oh, excellent. So the first day, obviously, you got 11th, so obviously yep. a very good performance. Um, what was kind of – what did you see out there um, for, your, for your runs there on Friday? Uh, so the snow over the whole weekend was, it was a little warm for us. Snow was a little soft. So, uh, me, I was starting 11 the first day, then 10 the second day. Mm -hmm. So I was able to get good positions from the early results early in the season. And I just kind of took advantage of that, laid down solid runs and kept myself in there. So I was pretty happy with the overall performance of, uh, my ability to, I guess, ski slalom and, uh, be consistent. And the team itself uh, got six in the slalom there yeah. on Saturday. What, what can you say about what some of your teammates were able to do? Yeah, so the uh, it was obviously, as I said, snow was not very good. So starting farther back, it, it took a fight to get down mm. and it, to definitely ski fast. So Ari had to fight. Kyle Kagan, he actually had to ski the course twice because uh, he had to take a rerun. There was a gate that got ended up in the middle of the course for him. Oh. So he skied out. And so he got two tries at it. And he was put in the 39th first run, which was awesome. He ran second to last and did that, so it was really good. He got top 30, right? Yep, ended yeah. up in 30th, and then I'm not sure what place it was uh, taking out all the uh, extra skiers that, weren't, that aren't college skiers, mm -hmm. but yeah, top 30 for him, which was uh, really cool to see. Terrific, and then, um, you know, you have Middlebury this weekend, right, I think? Yep, Middlebury on Friday, Saturday, and then I think a makeup race on Sunday, also at Middlebury. Oh, okay, so the makeup <laughs> GS then, perhaps? Yep, a makeup GS okay. on Sunday. So lots of chances to score this weekend. Exactly. What are some of your thoughts with three races in three days? So, I mean, there'll be two GSs, one slalom, and mm. I think it'll be really good to get back on the GS boards and be able to go and compete with the team. So I'm really looking forward to I've never been to Middlebury, so it should be a really cool experience to go race there. And I'll, I've always heard the atmosphere is great, so hopefully I can uh, use that to get some fast skiing out. So brand new hill for you? Brand new hill. Okay. Have you talked to your teammates about it or anything? Yeah. I mean, I've heard it's a fairly flat hill, but also mm. a hard hill in some spots. So I'm going to get the uh, inside scoop from my brother who's... Right. Yeah, hopefully he can give me the uh, the where to go fast and stuff and where to take it easy. How's We, we talked about this last time, but yeah, he's at Middlebury. Yes, so Tell us how, the, how that rivalry is going so far this year. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's going well. So he has been beating me in GS. No, we've only had two GSs, right. but... He uh, beat me in one of them, and then we both DNF in the other. And then in Slalom, he actually unfortunately couldn't race this weekend oh. because of uh, COVID protocols. Gotcha. So he was a little uh, upset that I am now going to be starting ahead of him. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's, uh, it's good rivalry. It keeps us both going fast, so hopefully we can uh, – continue to do that. I'm hoping to get him at least one of these days. So he's back this weekend? Yeah, he'll be back this okay, weekend. Okay, nice. So we'll look forward to seeing the two underhills there on the leaderboard. Yeah, hopefully but, um, up there at the top somewhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, then you mentioned GS. You've only had two. So yep. how's the training going in terms of trying to prepare to get back into that event? Uh, so we actually trained GS uh, yesterday and today mm -hmm. up at Sunday River, and the snow was amazing. So it was really good to uh, get prepared, and a lot of the guys are skiing pretty uh, well right now, so hopefully we can go get some good results as a team and uh, – 
probably get some guys in the top 30, score some points. I saw a cool POV on Instagram <laughs> at Lost Valley, though, right? Yes. So yeah. tell us about that night scheme. So, yes, yeah, so we had a double session yesterday. Oh. For some people, some people couldn't make in the morning. Some people could make in the afternoon. And so we had Slum at Lost Valley, and we were doing a few follow cams. It's just like uh, one person skis the course, someone carries a phone behind them. And we got some pretty good video out of it. So we uh, had one of our freshmen, Bowie Grossman, was up on our Instagram page. And, yeah, he was ripping some Slum gates. I heard it was your phone. Yes, it was my. <laughs> were you a little nervous? No, no. I was <laughs> trust probably more trustworthy than I should have been with the phone. But no, uh, so one of our teammates' phones died, so okay. we had. They're like, pull it out and just go. So, so go. filming uh, someone skiing down the hill. I mean, that's got to be a little tricky, right? Yeah, I think you normally, since uh, it's cold out, you want to wear your gloves. Yeah, you pull out the phone, hit the start button with your nose, <laughs> and then you can hold it in your, in your glove and then pause it at the bottom with your nose again. There you go. <laughs> so what's it like training at Lost Valley compared to Sunday River? I mean, yes, obviously uh Sunday River is a bigger mountain. Sure. It's better for G I mean, you can't really ski GS at Lost Valley, gotcha. but it's uh it's different venues and Lost Valley, it's a really short uh lift, so we're able to get a lot of laps really quickly. So after skiing, they uh or I mean after school, we're able to just rip over, get like six runs quickly and then come back and do homework or do whatever we have to do. Have you been able to watch any of the Winter Olympics so far? Yeah, I have actually. We've had a uh, had a few viewing nights over at uh, with the whole team. Oh, nice. So yeah, we watched the GS, watched Super G downhill and everything. Yeah, there's a lot more events in the Olympics than there yeah. are in college. It's oh, just GS yeah. and slalom in college. Break it down for us. What are the extra events there in the Olympics? So uh, slalom's are like shortest event yeah. with the shortest skis. Then you go GS, and we have Super G, which is. Um, much longer skis, a lot faster, and then you have downhill, which is the fastest event. Yeah. And for that, I mean, you're skiing on 217 uh, centimeter skis, and you're doing turns going up to 90 miles an hour. <laughs> so I've like I, I've done some G, uh, some downhill, yeah. and it is. So I mean, it's a little, it's a little scary. So th- those tracks over there are really legit, really hard, and you're like you're putting your body on the line to do it. So it's really cool to watch uh, some of the best skiers in the world go out and compete for. The Olympics. And then in China, aren't some of those, like, man-made, or how does that even work? Yeah, so yeah. the so the, it doesn't really snow up in the mountains that right. often. I mean, it snowed at the race last night, actually, <laughs> they had, but it does, so they had to make all the hills, yeah. and it's, it's very cool looking at it. So just the uh, track has snow on it, and then around there's no other snow. Right. So they everything's fully man-made, and since because of uh, COVID, no one's been able to get on that hill. So it's all the skiers' first time being on it. So it was really cool to watch, like, who adapted well, who didn't. And just it was kind of an interesting perspective of the sport and how we're always using the same hills. Yeah, certainly. And you mentioned downhill being the fastest, and you've had some experience with that. Yep. Uh, do, do you like that more, or is it, is it, or is it a little, maybe a little bit too fast? <laughs> um, so I, I've always I've always liked, like, speed events, which yeah. is Super G and downhill. And I've done some of it. I was never – quite good enough to uh, move to the next level. Mm. So I've done, I like, one of the World Cup venues they do is Lake Louise up in uh, Ontario. Uh, I, don't, I don't know where it is. Up in Canada. Canada. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, so I went up and I did some speed up there. And, I mean, you're moving pretty fast. It's, it's definitely a little scary, but uh, you just kind of get in the zone and, and go. So nice. it's really cool to be able to do. Excellent. Well, any other thoughts on kind of the season so far and what you're most looking forward to in the next couple of carnivals? Uh, hopefully get another top 10 or two, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'm looking for another top, uh, hopefully into the top like five region right in there. Mm. I think I'll be able to do it. And then um, looking for some good results with the team. I want to see if we can get some better team results out there. Six was very good. Hopefully to get some top five, get the whole team uh, skiing fast. 
Yeah, I feel like there's a solid ceiling. You could get up to fifth or um, or fourth as a team, possibly, right, with a really good showing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. With, uh, I mean, we have Ari, Crawford Jones. Sure. We have a lot of fast gears, so we just got to – everything's kind of got to work out in the same day. Yeah, that's the frustrating part, right? Because sometimes, <laughs> I mean, like, one day one guy is yeah. in the top ten, another guy doesn't finish or whatever, and yeah. it's, it's all come together at once, which is so difficult, I imagine. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's a team sport, yeah. but we're, it's individual, yeah. like, competing. So – Everyone's got to do well at the same time, and it's it, I mean, it's hard for it to work out well. But when it does, it's really cool to see. Great. Well, both. thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcats as usual. Our male Bobcat of the Week. Great performance <laughs> there at Dartmouth. Thanks yeah, again. Thank you for having me, Aaron. Can you believe it? Spring sports are here. Next Monday, the Bates women's tennis team travels to Florida and takes on Division II opponent Rollins College, with the men playing Rollins next Tuesday. Head coach Paul Gassengay previews the spring tennis season. Well, coach, head to Florida First match is Monday against Division Two opponent for the women's team, Rollins College. Men play Rollins on Tuesday. What are you hoping to see from this season opening trip from your squad to face a pretty tough competition, right? Yeah, very tough competition. Uh, we did this trip uh, two years ago, so so excited to get back to Florida and get to spread out, play outdoors. But the fact that NASCAC allowed us to play uh, start early this year, starting February 1st instead of the 15th, is huge. Um, Number one, our team came in the best shape they've they have in in recent memory and uh, playing good tennis and and so we've had some really effective practices and some great match play amongst the team and I feel like we're really ready. Usually we have like one or two practices right. and we're playing a match. Right. So we do get in late on uh, Sunday night and we have to turn around and play at four o'clock on Monday. So it's fine. We'll get a hit in on, on Monday uh, midday and get the cobwebs out from the trip and then be ready to go. But if it's anything like any other year, like when we get to the outdoors and the sun, they're just so excited to be there. It's, uh, everyone plays really well. Terrific. And obviously you had a fall season this year. What were some major takeaways from that? And what do you hope to see carry over maybe to the spring? I am really ecstatic about the level improvement of the things that we worked on in the fall everyone took to heart and I've seen huge jumps on both teams uh, and that's really uh, I'm really optimistic about that uh, the fact that they really dedicated themselves to make those changes and our levels like we're really deep and so um, you know I think we had five women uh, abroad mm. that weren't here but they've really gotten up to speed quick and you know, we have a really deep team, so we've been playing a lot of sets, a lot of matches against each other, so it's a lot of good competition. You have captains, and if so, tell us about them. Yeah, we have uh, on the men's side, we have Cam and Nick and Teddy, and uh, they're doing an amazing job. I think it's their leadership that kept everyone going. Uh, Leo is a, 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 a junior as well, who's also very, very much a leader on the team, but we have a strong... Uh, uh, sophomore and junior class you know that are in our first years are really dedicated as well so it's it's really a team effort and on the women's side uh, Anna and Sid Burns uh, really got the team united in the fall it was really awesome um, they just they're all they're all tight and uh, you know new influx five five people that weren't all together uh, when they're when they were abroad but you know they've really done a great job of uh, meshing together and, and becoming very close. How are the doubles teams sorting themselves out so far? Still sorting. Um, <laughs> Still sorting. <laughs> but looking good. We've had yeah. some injuries here and there, like just pop up 
Uh, so we're still kind of toying with that, but we have a lot of interchangeable parts. And I think if we play great doubles and we use the right tactics, you can kind of play with anyone. So what we're trying to figure out, and, and Florida is going to be a big part of that still, is trying to trying to see who the best meshes are together, who, you know, kind of uh, the right personalities together, the right energies together. That's a big part of doubles. So, Are you a big goals person as a team sat down and talked about goals they have for this year? Well, we always have the, the, the long-term goal of, uh, you know, obviously the NESCAC tournament and, and excelling there, but really more about the daily process of, like, look, hold each other accountable, work hard, find a way to push each other every day. And it's it, those little incremental changes, I think, add up uh, really quick. So and I think that's what we've been doing a good job with. And then how do you look at, like, you know, in terms of who might be in the contention for playing at number one singles for both teams? Who should be some of the top performers we might be looking out for this year? Right now we have uh, a handful on each team, and uh, that's we're still sorting that out. Obviously on the women's side, you know, Anna and Allie had a good fall. and. But we, we have a lot of uh, a lot of depth, and uh, you know, having players return from from abroad, we have a couple. Uh, you know, Victoria, who is uh, playing really well, and uh, Ali Dakino, who is away, and and Abby and Laura and Grace. I mean, they're they're all good players, so they're adding to the pressure on the team. And um, you know, we have some first years that are really good, uh, so excited about them as well. And so, uh, and everyone in between. I, it's hard to to say who's gonna, you know, bubble to the top right now. But I, I feel like, especially on the men's side, it's it's very competitive, and we have four guys that are all battling and can beat each other. So, you know, we'll we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, you mentioned the first years, and you know, especially you know, the, how they've been impressive. What's your main emphasis to them about what it takes to succeed at this level compared to what they were doing in high school? I think just having a growth mindset and being willing to, to make changes and, and look at the, the long term and not the short term, being able to sacrifice um, maybe the, the short term win for uh, being three levels better by the end of their sophomore year. So uh, that's what I'm so impressed with. It. Everyone's been willing to do that, and, and they're seeing the gains already. So. Terrific. Well, any other thoughts you want to share with us, or, you know, with the season going forward? I imagine Florida will determine a lot for the future, right? Yeah. I mean, NESCAC, most NESCAC teams haven't even started. Yeah. You know, they just started and uh, because they, they might have had another week. We saved a, a week, in, in, you know, in the fall to use earlier in the spring just because we have that early break. So strategically, I wanted to have sort of a running start into that trip. But uh, we still have some time before our NESCAC schedule kicks in on the second Saturday in, in March. But we're starting off with, you know, two juggernauts in Williams and Middlebury. So we, we'll, we'll be ready. We have some matches uh, in Florida against some top-level opponents. And, and then uh, when we return, we, we keep that going. And so we'll be ready. In other Bates Athletics news last week, the women's squash team placed sixth at the NESCAC Championships, defeating Hamilton in the consolation bracket after falling to Amherst in the quarterfinals. The Bates men's squash team heads to team nationals this weekend, and the Bates men's basketball team is the 10th seed in the upcoming NESCAC tournament after a pair of losses to Middlebury and nationally ranked Williams over the weekend. They visit Trinity Friday night for a first-round game that tips at 7 p.m. Check out the complete athletic schedule at GoBatesBobcats.com and on the Bates Bobcats mobile app. We'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, 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 Bates.